Don't judge me. How dare you? How dare you even entertain the thought of judging me, telling me I'm wrong? Don't you know that's a sin? That's a sin. I don't know if there's any greater sin. The Bible says so. Jesus said so. Jesus is about mercy and love and grace. Not judging anyone any time for any reason. That you just we just don't judge. We can't judge. We're not supposed to judge. Judge ye not. How dare you tell me I'm wrong? I can't believe it. I'm 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 greatly triggered and offended. I'm gonna throw a fit right here. I'm gonna throw a fit right in front of you. You're about to witness the biggest fit ever thrown. I'm gonna start kicking and screaming and crying and yelling. How dare you even tell me? How how could you even consider the thought? Like how? How did it ever come to be in your mind? Where did you, that even come from? Where did you ever even get the, 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 the notion that you were allowed to tell me I'm wrong, to judge me? Jesus didn't judge anyone. Jesus told us not to judge anyone. Well, Jesus could to a certain degree, I suppose, because he knows the hearts of people. We don't know the hearts of people, so we can't judge anyone. We can never tell anyone they're wrong ever for any reason at any time because we don't know people. And we're all guilty of sin. Sin is sin. We're all guilty of sin. All of us sin. So, I mean, you know, we don't want to be hypocrites or anything. So don't ever tell anyone they're wrong. I thought you knew that. The Bible says that. Somewhere's there in book chapter. My pastor told me so. Somewhere's it's in there. I know it. It says don't judge people at all forever. And I mean, I can't even believe you'd, you'd, you'd even consider judging me. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. How dare you? Don't ever judge me again, or I'll do that again. I'll keep doing that, and I'll keep screaming. I'll keep doing that. I'll keep telling you, and I'll keep... I'll keep flipping out and throwing a fit right in front of you. I will. How dare you judge me, tell me I'm wrong. Don't you know love is love? Don't you know it's strength and diversity? Don't you know everything... What's the matter with you? The Bible says so. Look, 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 there's a verse in the Bible that says right here, look, Jesus himself saying, don't ever judge anyone at any time for any reason. Don't ever dare even considering or entertaining the thought that someone's wrong. Right? Where do we bring that? How far does that go? Does that make sense? Is that like normal? Does that sound like normal behavior? Probably not. You're probably thinking, what's the matter with the guy? Well, because it's, it's just not real. It's not a reality of our existence. That's why it's so blatantly either humorous or unhinged. It's not self-controlled. It's not logical, is it? Yet that's what we see everywhere from grown men and grown women, men and women. Adults. That's what we see. How dare you judge me? Can't believe you'd even entertain the thought. We hear that all the time about anything and everything. If we say, listen, science says, no, how dare you? Don't judge me. The Bible says, how dare you? Don't judge me. Don't tell me I'm wrong, ever. We hear that all the time. And somehow, if you are to judge someone, that is a violation of God's love, mercy, and grace. That's what we're told. That's what the world tells us, and sadly, that's what a great many Christians tell us, too. All right? I've been uh, following Jesus now for, uh, well, since 2011. I need his grace as much as anybody else. I try my best to live faithfully every day. I am well aware that I fall into my temptations at times. I've missed the mark. I've stumbled. I've struggled. But I would like to think that I am growing. A little bit. And I truly appreciate the patience and long-suffering of a great many of you who have seen my journey thus far. 
and have seen from how far I've come. But we're all trying, aren't we? Nobody likes to be told they're wrong. Most certainly wrong about something that would have a, an eternal consequence to it. Nobody likes that. We don't like to be pointed out and meant to feel guilty about anything. I mean, now in this entitlement culture we have, how dare we? Why would you even? Don't make me feel guilty for anything. Like guilt is a bad thing. Guilty, feeling guilty, or having a conscience that would tell me that this is right or wrong is just, don't even consider trying to put that on me. But is that a reality of our existence? Well, no, it really isn't. We all judge. Even the individual who says, don't judge me, is judging you for judging them, and therefore is caught in the same web of their own demise. According to their own law, of course, that you're not supposed to tell anyone they're wrong. So what we're going to do today is obviously in this topical session, we're going to open up an article from our friends over at ChristianCourier.com, right? I think it's .com. Yeah. And uh, it's called Don't Judge Me from our brother Wayne Jackson. May he rest in peace. We're going to put that up on the screen. We'll read it together and we'll have ourselves a conversation about that. Housekeeping stuff first and foremost. My name is Stefan Maillet. And as you can see right there, if you're looking at the visual side of things, addedsouls.com is my website. Please consider signing up to addedsouls.locals.com. You can support me there in the work. Please consider it. You can also go through PayPal for donations, addedsouls at gmail.com. And you can also reach out to me for a personal address if we have ourselves a video chat, phone call, email exchange, things of that nature, if you have any concerns or questions. Friends, we labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ over here in New Brunswick, Canada. And you can check out the .com, eastcoastchurchofchrist.com, and you can check out the Facebook page, East Coast Church of Christ. Isn't that good? I think so. I think so. Don't judge me is the topic at hand. And um, we want to know what's taking place scripturally because it's something that is so commonly now said for anything and everything. We do not wish to be told we're wrong. We do not wish to be uh, aggravated into guilt or meant to feel guilty about anything we do, whether it be fornication, adultery, homosexuality, anything, everything, but more so tied in our current generation, if you will, to sexual perversion. The minute you speak about fornication, adultery, or homosexuality, that's it. You're done. You're cooked. How dare you judge me? And then they, of course, claim that there's a Bible verse that says you're not allowed. You're not allowed to tell anyone they're wrong because you're not Jesus. And G only Jesus can know hearts of people. And you don't. So you're never allowed. Even if I am witnessing an individual murder another individual, I'm not allowed to tell them they're wrong because I can't know their heart. Maybe what they're doing is just... Okay, I don't know. I don't know anything. Uh, I'm a floating gas. I have no rhyme or reason. I'm just an animal. Well, is that the case? Truly, no, of course not. It's not reality. It's not the truth. It's not anything tangible we can hold. It has no foundation. It can have no... It has no way of actually being useful for us in our existence whatsoever to think that we don't judge. We all judge for every reason. Why do you live where you live? Why do you have the friends you have? Why do you work where you work? Why do you do what you do? Why do you wear the clothes you wear? Everything you do is a matter of one's judgment. Now, it can be righteous. It can be right. It can be what is good. Or it can be wrong. It can be hypocritical. There's the difference, and that's what the scriptures actually teach. They actually teach, don't judge as a hypocrite in relation to the context of the uh, religious leaders of the day, which are still well and alive to, to this hour, by the way. The spirit of that, uh, those evil workers is still well and alive today. No, Jesus was saying, don't, don't judge that way. Judge the right way. Judge according to the uh, standard of inspired words. Now, is there a sprinkling of truth? And those who say, don't judge me because only God knows the hearts of men. Well, there is certainly a measurement of truth to that. I, I can't read your thoughts. I don't have that ability. God can. However, 
what I have been commanded from this book to judge is by what is produced. Your countenance, your facial expressions, the words you say, the actions you take, the things you do, they communicate a language. They communicate something to society, which can be judged. If you're seeing me outside murdering people, then it would be wise of you to judge me as a murderer. And if judging is not allowed, then our judges, who are honorable in courts of justice, well, they need to step down. And we need to dismantle the whole order of a court case or a court proceeding. So you can see that argument goes nowhere real fast. It's an emotional, knee-jerk reaction to one you're told you're wrong. And I know I've done that. What, are you kidding me? I've looked in the mirror. I've had moments of clarity. I've had self-reflection. I know, I know it's never fun to be told you're wrong on something you may have believed for a long time or practiced for a long time. But hey, listen. You can't go to heaven if you openly practice fornication. If you are having sex outside of marriage, you can't go to heaven. It don't matter how many times you scream, don't judge me. Really, it doesn't matter. If you're an adulterer, if you are a homosexual, practicing homosexual uh, relations, you can't go to heaven. That's what the Bible says. I can't condemn you. I don't have the power to send you to heaven or hell. No man has that power but Jesus Christ, and he... Would you know it? Left his words for us to read and know who, when, where, why, what. Don't judge me. How dare you? It just gets so old. And it, it would be, of course, expected from the fallen world. The heathen, the pagans, and all that. It would be expected of the unbeliever, wouldn't it? You'd be like, yeah, you know, it does what it does. They, they don't believe, so therefore. <laughs> but would you know it? They are quite comfortable in judging. They actually know how to operate with it, at, uh, to, their, to their secular ways, of course. It's we Christians who get all up in arms, who get all triggered and offended if we dare say we're wrong about something. Can't operate that way. Can't move, it, can't move forward that way. You're never going to be able to have yourself a well-functioning and orderly assembly. No, we are most certainly commanded to judge. We are. And within the context and the principle and the words written there with the grammar revealed, inspired words, it's so clear. You'd have to be dishonest. You'd have to be a dishonest person not to say, yeah, that's what the Bible teaches and it's all it's for everyone because the word everyone's in there. <laughs> like, it, it's really one of those things, guys. It's really one of those things. So we're going to open up that text the article, and uh, we're going to go through the article together. We're going to have ourselves a conversation about judging. That okay? That all right? Subscribe to the channel, like, share, comment, all that kind of good stuff helps the Added Souls material uh, find individuals like you and I who may uh, benefit from the substance and the value of these sessions. And yes, I'm a bit rough around the edges. If you've been watching me for a while now, you know that. I have tempered down a bit, obviously. But, yeah. I'm a bit different that way. Stick around. Put your seatbelt on. I'm going to talk about some stuff. Let me put this up on the screen here. Uh, where are you? Where are you? There you go. Okay. And we're going to screen share. There you go. Look at that. And immediately with the article, of course, is an image of what is typically commonly always producing the slogan, don't judge me, is uh, the homosexual movement. I have no hate for homosexuals. I hate homosexual practices because God does. And everyone who follows Jesus hates sin because sin takes the people we love and brings them to hell. And we don't want to see our loved ones be eternally condemned. So um, I don't hate the people. They're just completely deceived in these things. And I used to be as well. Not in the homosexual persuasion, of course, but in uh, uh, various other angles of sexual perversion, fornication, of course, things of that nature. Well, it is most commonly seen from the homosexuals. This whole love is love, don't judge me, up is down, down is up. You know, good is evil and evil is good. And we all do that to certain angles. But this is more so the prominent common tongue of the homosexual movement.
how dare you judge us? How dare you judge a man who thinks he's a woman, who dresses as a woman, and has intercourse with other men? How dare we even think that's wrong? How dare we even consider the thought to think it's wrong if they have our children's minds and bodies? How dare you? How dare you think that a man who thinks he's a woman, who is having sexual intercourse with other men, how dare we think that such a man should not have our children? Don't judge them. Don't you dare judge them. And that's so familiar because thousands and thousands of years ago, a recorded account, would you know it, in the scriptures, reveals homosexuals back then as well as today were saying the same thing about anyone who would dare tell them they were wrong. Don't judge me. Yeah, we're going to judge you. It's a reality of our existence. You need to deal with that. You are going to be judged because judging you is what is right. You need to be judged. That's how that works. We all judge each other. We need to do so the right way. And to do so the right way is by the standard of Scripture, which reveals to us the conscience we need to know what right and wrong is to discern those things. And it is wrong for a man to believe himself a woman, having sexual intercourse with other men of the same gender, and having access to our children. That's wrong. You are wrong. You can't go to heaven that way. It is a perverted way of life that has a mountain of consequence and chaos and disorder and consequence. Now, the same, of course, principle applies to everything, to everyone who would be practicing sinful things, including myself, by the way. Of course I'm wrong if, I'm, if I do things that are sinful. I know that. Though it don't, it, don't feel, it don't feel good to be told you're wrong. I've been told. I've been told. I've, been, I've had brethren who loved me enough to be like, hey, dude, listen, man, that's not how Christians act or Christians speak or Christians... And at first, I'm like, ah, oh, leave me alone. But then you have a moment to think and meditate and marinate on it and be like, you know what? You're right, man. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said that word or I shouldn't have said it that way to you or I shouldn't have done that, you know, so on and so forth. I, I can be wrong. You can be wrong. That's, that's a, it's, a true, it's a true and real uh, ex experience of our, our Christian walk and faith. So we're reading an article from our friends over at ChristianCourier.com, and I encourage you to go check out that, as I do with all the ones I plug in here. Uh, ChristianCourier.com produces wonderful articles. And one of them here is called Don't Judge Me. And you have the image there of a, tran a transvestite, a tranny, a transgender individual who is a man thinking himself a woman who practices, of course, those kind of things. And uh, they are the more prominent... Uh, current social Marxists who would scream at us not to judge them. But we can, and we should, and we are going to continue to do so because it's wrong. It's just wrong. It, it's, it's morally wrong and depraved, and it's hurting people all around us, including our children, to which they now have access to. So, yeah, we're going to say it's wrong for sure. Absolutely. And the article uh, reads, Don't judge me. A common defense mechanism is, quote, Don't judge me, but is all judging condemned in the Bible? Our brother Wayne Jackson, may he rest in peace, wrote the article, and I quote from the article, and it says, as we read together, one of the most common rebukes that we receive from irate readers is this, oh, you are judging. And I can confirm, having created the Added Souls Ministry since 2012, to which we operate on various social media platforms, yes, out of the top five things we are rebuked, quote-unquote, for, this one is definitely in there. Don't judge me. How dare you judge people? And uh, it wouldn't be of any outlandish thought to know that over at Christian Courier, which has a lengthier and uh, uh, more, um, more, how should I say, lengthier and more, uh, more work involved, if you will, uh, for many more years than I. It would, be, it would be understood that they hear that all the time as well. Even more frequently is this charge levied from those seeking to justify, to justify aberrant and ungodly behaviors. Again, like this dude here, right there. Yeah, we know. We want to reach them. We want to make ourselves approachable. And I know, I'm well aware, 
I, I'm working on that as best as I can, really. And I, I, I to to the witness of all those who love me and all those who are around me, uh, I've done so much more than before. Because when you start walking with Jesus from a heathen life, a Gentile way of life, there's a lot to learn. And you're misguided and immature on so many angles. You just don't know the right way to speak or how to speak the words. You know the right words, I suppose, but you don't deliver them properly. There's no tact to your style. It's just a mess. And it, in your heart, your motive is pure. You want to help people go to heaven. You want to help people stop living in sin because you've done that and you've seen the damage and you know uh, the eternal consequence to that. So you really want to help people get out of that. And, and sometimes you don't do it properly because you're still growing in the faith. God knows that. God's grace is involved with all of those things. But the point is to grow to a location where you are seasoned, you are balanced, you are reasonable. And make yourself approachable to all individuals, even those of the homosexual community. However, that would not void us of publicly exposing what is evil and calling it what it is. It's wrong. It's perverted. Now, if one of these individuals want to sit down with me and have a conversation, then, of course, the tone is a bit different. And the approach and the effort is a bit different. The delivering message is a bit different, as you would see Jesus when he was personally speaking with an individual or publicly speaking to the crowds, and it also depended on the individual. Look at how he interacted with the religious leaders personally, and look at how he spoke to uh, um, Gentiles, let's say, uh, private, uh, pri uh, privately or uh, personally. Learn from him, right? That's what we try to do. We try to learn from him. So it is true that more often than not, in our current day and age, and I think it has been through the beginning, going way back to the recorded account, witnessed account of Sodom and Gomorrah, that the homosexual kind will most certainly utilize the don't judge me slogan as a hammer of suppression against anyone who would dare oppose, again, the thought that they are wrong and perverted and living in sin and should not have access to our children, let alone have access to any public authority in government, in academia, in entertainment, in religious uh, establishments or media. Don't judge me, but it's worked well for them, hasn't it? You keep screaming it. My little display of that behavior at the very beginning of this podcast, to which I beg your forgiveness if you thought a bit too uh, strong, is, is true and real to the, to the effect it works. And they know that, so they keep doing it. And we need to stop being so sensitive and sympathize with it and simply stand strong and say, no, sir, I'm not going to bow down to it. I'm not going to back off. I'm not the problem here. You are. You are the delinquent. You are the offender. You're not the victim here. You're a man who thinks you're a woman and you have access to our children. And that's a problem. And again, with the same principle, we can take it from all angles for various different lawless acts. So, uh, Brother Wayne Jackson continues over here at ChristianCourier.com, and he says, And if there is one passage in the Bible with which the critics are familiar, surely it is this one. And of course, Matthew 7, 1 is quoted, Judge not that you be not judged. Judge not that you be not judged. We know. Uh, I think it's the only. Uh, it's the most popular, taken out of context Bible verse ever quoted around the world. Next to uh, what now? John three sixteen, I suppose. So uh, he continues and says they have no clue as to what the biblical text means, but they know it's there. My pastor told me so. There's a Bible verse in there. It is unfortunate that those who so flout, flute, flout, this passage in such a careless fashion have not studied the broader biblical theme diligently. And that's the problem. Pause, bit of an excursion. Let's have a conversation here, friends. You and I, we're friends, aren't we? Listen, it's so important in today's age of quote-unquote, misinformation, 
typically spewed by the ones who are creating the misinformation, um, that we look into things for our own independent accountability. Even religious things, would you know it? If someone tells you, it's in the Bible, it says you're not allowed to judge anyone at any time, and they quote this one section of a context, uh, of a verse out of its context, then it is upon your responsibility and priority to go look and see if the individual is speaking truth. And you will quickly see, if you are an honest student of the scriptures, that no, actually, he or she is wrong, and the Bible's right. See, you and I were always wrong, and the Bible's always right. But if we want to be right, along with the Bible, we need to go to the Bible. So we need to go and read the information. I remember playing, I, I was part of the problem for decades as well, prior to my decision to follow Jesus. The Bible is an old book. It's not a real book. It's written by these old individuals. It's a, it's, 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 it's a book of nonsense and contradiction, and it's filled with just, it's a ridiculous book. Why don't we just burn the thing already? There is no God. We're all a bunch of animals. That's just what it is. Well, I never read the thing for myself, right? Properly, accurately, honestly, submissively. Until you, if you're like me, you reach a certain moment in your life and you're like, what do I got to lose, really? I've tried everything else this world wants to tr me to try. I've believed in everything else this world wants me to believe in. Maybe these crazy, foolish Christians, these these individuals, maybe they're on to something. Who knows? I mean, what am I going to lose if they if, if they are crazy as I think they are? then the only thing that's going to happen when I read this book is it's going to affirm that they are nuts and I don't need to be a Christian. I don't need to even follow the thing. There is no God. But what do I got to lose if the information is actually true and you start following that train of thought and you can see a logical pattern in the scriptures that lend evidence to the fact that it is inspired? Like what, what, what have I got to lose? Uh, nothing, really. If it's true, then I'm going to do everything possible to follow the thing because it's true. But if it isn't, then again, I'm just, I will have been justified in what I believed because it's, it's a mess. It's not true. Well, lo and behold, when you're honest and submissive to the text and you start to really study and ask questions in order to learn the answer, mind you, uh, yeah, there's a reason Christianity exists and there's a reason that the Bible will never be extinguished and you'll never get rid of Christians. Though throughout history, time and time again, we've tried, it's never worked. And it'll never work. There will never be a day on this earth. And you hear me real good. There will never be a day on this earth that the word of God will not be available. It will. It always has been. And someone says, well, what about the dark ages when they burnt all the Bible? There were people who had the word of God. There were Christians They've been, there has been Christians. Now, if you really want to, really want to push me in a corner, okay, fine. Let's say there has been, or there will be moments in history where there will be no such a thing as a Christian. The word of God available, read and obeyed will once again spark a Christian movement. You'll never get rid of us. It, it, to say you're going to get rid of us is to say you're going to get rid of uh, the source which made, made us, God. You're never going to get rid of God. You can't. He created you. He created this existence. And it's what logically makes sense. I mean, look at all the intelligent engineering. You, you mean to tell me you, you can look at all this intelligent engineering and somehow it's all an accident? Now, I'll agree with you that an ocean of religious denominationalism out there who claims to be Christian is not accurate to the Bible. I agree with you there. Most of them are believing lies. But there is the truth. Definite article, unique, the truth. Eh, bit of an excursion to the fact. You need to look into things for yourself. I would have never I would never believe what I believe now if I could not if I could have not seen it the truth and defend it in court. It's really that really. Open the book, open in Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, start reading. Start reading it for yourself. You're not going to understand everything right off the bat, but I assure you, you're going to start understanding something. It's going to start to work in your mind. And you're going to start to see the, 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 the clarity of it, the purity of it, and how, how true it is in context. All right, so back to the article here. It says, of course, it's unfortunate that those who so flout this passage in such a careless fashion have not studied the broader biblical theme diligently. That is true. The truth is, this quibble, more often than not, is a mere 
defense mechanism that judges the alleged judge. That's what it is. How dare you make me feel guilty for uh, practicing homosexuality or adultery or fornication? How dare you? It's, it's interesting how that slogan and that knee-jerk emotional reaction is more so and has always has been closely tied to sexual devi uh, deviations. Sexual pleasure, the, the desires of the flesh, went outside, of course, uh, the marriage bed, a lawful marriage bed, is perverted, but it feels so good. So how can something that feels so good be so wrong? If love in you is wrong, I don't want to be right. Well, I don't know all the ramifications and the science of the neuron brain to all that self, to all that, that fleshly desires and whatnot, though the Bible says sin is, is pleasurable. I mean, we, we get that. If it wouldn't be pleasurable, no one would be doing it, but we do it because it's pleasurable. But there needs to be self-control. There's a boundary. You can have sexual pleasure. It just needs to be with your wife in a lawful bed, a lawful marriage. Go ahead. Have fun. Have at it. Have fun procreating. Well, outside of that, the flame, the fire, if it's not contained properly to heat the home, it's going to burn the house down. And it's interesting to me that it ties itself so closely to sexual perversions. And deeper, as you move along this... Uh, move along the uh, the steps of depravity with it. Fornication. Don't judge me. Adultery. Don't you dare judge me. Homosexuality. Don't you judge me! It's like the it amps itself in measurement on how triggered and emotionally amped they are. The, common, the most common word for judge in the Greek Testament is the verb k-r-i-n-o found 114 times. It is rendered into English by a variety of terms. An example, judge, determine, condemn, call in question, etc., etc. The word means to select, to select, and then to come to a conclusion, make a determination. A man who dresses as a woman because clothing speaks a language and women, the gender, female, have clothing that express feminine description. Likewise, with the male, man has clothing that reveals, speaks a language of the male gender. Well, when you have a male who believes himself or seeks to practice uh, uh, a female, an outward female uh, 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 presence, and does so amped in the extreme, that's why you see them with this heavy makeup and these wigs and these colors and whatnot, who wants access to our children and who practices same gender sexual intercourse and things of that nature, uh, you are, we are commanded wise to, yeah, come to a conclusion and to make a determination on that selected uh, uh, sin, if you will, or that individual and know what's taking place and what's happening, whether it be a murderer or a rapist a pedophile, an abuser of mankind, and things of that uh, sort. Sometimes the idea relates to a conclusion about a specific act or certain person, as Brother Wayne Jackson writes in his article over at ChristianCourier.com. The basic term is neutral in its character. Only the context can suggest either a positive or negative connotation. That is true. We are wise to pay attention to that. Judging is not intrinsically evil. It's not an inherent evil. This is demonstrated by the fact that God judges. Hebrews 12.23, and so does Christ. Acts 10.42, 2 Timothy 4.8. If it were inherently sinful, then God would be, well, you guessed it, sinful. The common retort to this, though, is this, quote, Yes, God and Christ have the right to judge, but we, who are but mere mortals, do not. <laughs> and that's where Christians go to, who are misguided. And it's always pride. It's always pride that's in the way. And uh, I've, I've actually, I, on, my, um, on my Facebook page, the Added Souls Facebook page, I, I quoted 
Jesus saying, judge righteous judgment. I quoted that a few days ago, and what do you know in the thread? That's what you're hearing. Oh, yeah, but Jesus could because he could, but uh, we can't. <laughs> Jesus himself said, follow my example, but apparently not to that angle, not to that measurement, or not to that practice. Well, no, that would be a contradiction. Of course we are to judge. We are to judge according to the way Jesus judged. Though we do not have, again, the supernatural ability to see within the thoughts of man, the motive of man at times uh, takes time to see what they are producing. Then we see the fruit of what they produce. Now we see what's taking place. Now we can select, make a discernment, and make a judgment upon that, that, that very case-per-case uh, -case situation. And sometimes it's not case-per-case. -case, sometimes it's by movement. The homosexual movement can be judged and exposed publicly as they are, well... It's very apparent what they do and how they do it. So they, many Christians who become sympathizers, who become enablers of the homosexual movement, yes, God and Christ have the right to judge, but we, who are but mere mortals, do not. Hear that all the time. All the time. It's misguided, it's wrong, and it's helping people go to hell. Really, that's why it's a problem. It's helping, it's, it's facilitating a path for people to remain in their sins and go to hell. That's what that is. That's what that does. You can love people. We're commanded to love people. We can pray for people. We're commanded to pray for people. We can be kind even when they're not to us. We're commanded to do that. We're not to practice retaliation or revenge. We're not to become embittered. And No, listen. You can say homosexuality is a sin. It's not right. It's perverted. It's wrong. And that don't mean I don't love you. Matter of a fact, scripturally, that means I do love you. I'm telling you something. And if you throw that truth, then you must be able to receive it. I myself must be able to receive maybe, hey, Stefan, you know you're wrong doing this or you're wrong saying that. Okay, well, let's have a reasonable conversation here. Now, some individuals remove themselves from any reasonable conversation to which you withdraw. You just don't cast your uh, 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 pearls before the swine. But they go there, don't they? They, they have this, yeah, but uh, uh, only Jesus can do that. No, no, no. That may sound noble. It may sound so virtuous, but it isn't undergird. It is, but it isn't undergirded with scriptural evidence. It just isn't. It's not true. It's not real. It has no foundation in reality. The truth of the matter is, judging is both condemned and commended in the Bible. It is prohibited and commanded. It's like the word wine in the Bible. When the word wine is utilized positive, it is it's juice. It has no intoxicant. It has no alcohol. When it is used, utilized in a negative context, it's alcohol. I didn't make that up. You can read it for yourself. And there's another one that brethren want to go all over the place. Try to get, try to make Jesus as a wine bibber or something. But how can this be if, the article continues, as Christians commonly claim, the scriptures are inspired by God and thus not contradict one another, do not contradict one another? So how do we make sense of this, right? The answer is a very simple one. I agree. I agree, Wayne. You're right. It really is. The concept of judging is employed in different senses in sacred literature. Different senses. It all goes back to, again, if we are commanded to judge, everyone is to do that. Everyone does it anyways. So it needs to be governed. It needs to be managed. And God did that. He guides us. He instructs us on how to do it the right way because we all do it. And he instructs us, don't do it the wrong way like the Pharisees do. Do it the right way like I do. Jesus. That's what he wants us to do. To do it like Jesus does. The article says here in this section, when is judging condemned? When is judging condemned? Friends, please consider subscribing to the channel, giving us a thumbs up, like, share, Drop a comment, all that kind of stuff. Please do that. Subscribe to addedsouls.locals.com. You subscribe there, you get to support the work. No amount is too low or too high. You get to support the work. There's PayPal, addedsouls at gmail.com. You can contact me. We can have a video, a, a video chat, phone call, email exchange, all that kind of good stuff. I labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ over here in uh, New Brunswick, Canada. And you can check out the .com, eastcoastchurchofchrist.com, or our Facebook page, East Coast Church of Christ. So the article continues here, and it says, When is judging condemned? There are several New Testament passages in which judging is cast into a sinister light. Let us consider but three of these 
for uh, illustrative purposes. In the Sermon on the Mount, Christ spoke thusly, quoting from Christ now from Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Judge not that you, uh, that you be not judged. For with, uh, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. Wow, that's, you know, how much wood can a wood chuck wood if a wood chuck wood chuck wood? Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measurement you use, it shall be measured unto you. And why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck, uh, take the speck from your eye when there is no log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly how to take the speck from your brother's eye. If you've got a log sticking out of your forehead, you're not going to help anyone with a speck sticking out of their eye. It's not going to be able to do it. A uh, meth addict fully practicing meth or a crackhead smoking crack turning around to you and saying, don't smoke crack. Well, it has no, I mean, he's right. He's right. He can't say that. It's a true statement. Don't smoke crack. You can do that. But what kind of weight does he have to say that, though? I was, um, this is something I dealt with uh, not too long ago, actually. An individual who was judging another for practicing homosexuality. And the individual who was rebuking or condemning or withdrawing fellowship from a homosexual individual who was practicing homosexuality, well, the person who was doing that, who was withdrawing her fellowship, she's withdrawing her fellowship from an open, public uh, homosexual who's practicing his homosexuality. Well, the individual commends adultery and is an adulterer. You see the problem here? Um, how can an adulterer, a preacher who preaches that uh, you can live in an adulterous relationship on your third or fourth marriage, unscriptural marriage, uh, unscriptural divorces, that you can be on your fourth unscriptural mar marriage in an adulterous relationship, somehow that's okay, but let's withdraw our fellowship from a homosexual. Our kids see that, by the way. Why do you think they're leaving church for? Why do you think they leave church for? Because they see the hypocrisy. Like mom says it's okay to be an adulteress, an adulterer, but yet she doesn't fellowship with people who practice homosexuality. I don't get it. Church is a lie. I'm leaving church. I can't believe he left. I don't know why. What's happening? Pastor, pastor, help me. Pastor's been telling you for a while. So uh, the words of Christ quoted from Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, you get the point. Appropriate judging, Brother Wayne says, must be done sincerely and for the welfare of the individual. Not because you're bittered or not because you got a chip on your shoulder or an agenda, but because you love the human being. You love the soul. You care for them genuinely. Even our enemies, we love them. We pray for them. We want them to change. We want them to become... Brethren, no longer to be enemies. We want them in fellowship, no longer withdrawn from. Appropriate judging is a useful practice commanded to us in order to remove the delinquent from his delinquency and the offender from his offense. Obviously, the text says, or the article, obviously the individual who pronounces judgment on another person when he is personally guilty of equal or even greater transgressions is not genuine in his censures. Many of the Jews were of this hypocritical nature. While they condemned the gross wickedness of the pagans, they practiced identical breaches of fidelity. And of course, I really appreciate Paul having that inspired pen in Romans chapter 2, because in Romans chapter 1, he speaks to them of the ancient Gentile world and all the evil, depraved, perverted things they did. And of course, the Jews would have been like, Amen, Paul, you you tell those evil pagans and heathens and Greeks and Gentiles, and you let them have it. They're all evil. And then Paul turns around in Romans chapter 2 and be like, but you're just like them. <gasps> Kill Paul! How dare you judge us, Paul! We do that. We do that. We ought not do that. We ought repent of doing that. 
but we do that. Does this imply, the article says, that one must be sinless before he can declare a judgment concerning another's conduct? See, that's the whole thing I was speaking about. An obese person who has become obese of his or her own uh, desires, fleshly desires, if you will, um, can certainly tell another, hey, you shouldn't eat that much, or hey, you shouldn't eat that kind of food all the time. You shouldn't eat junk food all the time or whatever. Well, that's a true statement. It's real. It's re What he has said to another is, is true. But again, it's what kind of an impact does he have or what can he see properly? Can he see the problem properly? Well, no. <clears throat> How are you going to have an individual member of the church who goes up behind the pulpit and who, who gives you a brief lesson and prays for the offering, for the offering, that you ought to give money to God. You ought to give money to God. If you don't give money to God, oh, you're in sin. Give money to God. I've seen that. But they never give. They never, ever give. And if they do, which is maybe once every two months, it's a dollar. And they make $5,000 a week, but they give a dollar. But they'll go behind the pulpit and say, you better give to God as you prosper. What, what he's saying is true. We ought to give back to God. It's his treasury. It's a joy to give. He's, it's not necessarily a lie. But you understand, like, dude never gives. Like, brother so-and-so never gives. And when he does, it's, it's out of um, a greed and, and stinginess. You see the impact. The article continues, says, no, it does not. In regards to, does this imply that one must be sinless before he can declare a judgment concerning another's conduct? No, he, it does not. Paul wasn't sinless, Romans 7, 14 and following, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, Philippians 3, 12 and following. But he didn't hesitate to judge the flagrant fornicator who was disgracing the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 5, 3. Paul was not sinless. But he was not openly, high-handedly, rebelliously living in sinful practices either. You and I were not sinless. We're not without sin. We've been found guilty of being hypocritical, of being self-righteous, of practicing sinful things, of falling off the wagon, of, of, of uh, well, you name it. Us Christians, we've, we're human beings and we fall prey to our own fleshly desires when we ought not to. The plan is don't stay there. Don't live there. Confess your sins, move forward, and try another day, and try harder, because God's grace is not a license to sin. But someone who has sinned, like for instance, in my past life, for those of you who are uh, familiar with my past life and the things I was involved with, which was, well, we kind of took crime and we organized it. Well, in the minds of many a people, they're never going to listen to me in the gospel message. Why? Because in their minds, I'll always be that individual who had organized crime. He had taken crime and he organized it. And he was a uh, leading figure. Well, just because I was, doesn't mean I can't speak out against crime today. Because I've changed. I've changed. Since 2011, I have not and never plan to ever again be involved in that world. The distribution of hardcore narcotics and everything that was involved in that kind of a very violent, extreme world. Excess, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Gambling, prostitutes, you name it. What a mess. What a regret I have now. What a stain I have on my conscience, my flesh. I have nightmares. You don't want that. You don't want to live through that. Well, because of that, there's consequence. And some individuals will never say, you don't have the right to tell me I'm wrong. Oh, we knew who you were. We know what kind of person you were. Now you don't have the right to tell me I'm wrong. Well, believe it or not, I do. Because I've changed. I've changed. So, and I speak of my own personal experience because I know 
I'm not the only one. Some of you have done that. Some of you were fornicators. Some of you were adulterers. Some of you were homosexuals. Some of you were abortionists. Some of you have, 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 were, were, were drunks and drug addicts. Some of you were uh, all these things. But you stopped being them. So what, now you're not allowed to speak out against that? Well, what a foolish thing. But that's exactly what they want us to believe. Don't judge me. How dare you judge me? You're a sinner just like me. Well, I stopped living in sin. That don't make me perfect. That don't mean I don't miss the mark at times or fall short of it. But at least I'm not living it anymore. You're still in it. And you're trying to find excuses to justify still living in sin. That's a problem. So the person who presumes to judge, however, must be a truly spiritual person. You can check 1 John 1.7 with the good of others genuinely in view. Galatians 6.1. So there is the descriptive boundary for one's ability or eligibility to uh, qualify for judging righteous judgment. On another occasion, the article continues with our friends over at ChristianCourier.com. On another occasion, the Lord warned the Jews... Judge not according to appearance, John 7, 24. Superficial judging is condemned. Superficial judging is condemned. To judge someone strictly on the basis of race, cultural background, unsubstantiated rumor, appearance, financial standing, etc., 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 the sociopolitical standards and measurement of, uh, of society, which ebbs and flows in subjective realms. I mean, there's no... You, you can't judge people that way. Oh, you don't have enough money, so... Uh, Oh, you don't have the, the right kind of clothing. Oh, you don't have the right kind of... Nah. It's wrong. It's wrong to judge people that way. The scriptures say so. In, this, in his sermon at Caesarea, Peter declared that God is no respecter of persons. The Greek term denotes an opinion formed on the basis of the, fa- uh, 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 of the face, in other words, appearance. So the Lord doesn't do that, okay? Neither should we. He doesn't judge according to those matters, Finally, James cautions. James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, quote, says, Speak not one against another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. One only is the lawgiver and judge even he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? That has to be within the description of the scriptures, which is judgment according to the scriptures standard. And that's it. It has to be. I mean, brethren that were being addressed by James were allowing wealthy individuals to have the prestige seats and to have all the attention the same ones that would persecute them because they had money. So we're going to treat them better. You can't do that. You can't judge people that way. That's, that's it's not right. And God is the only power that can condemn. And he wrote a book in which judges, Jesus himself said that, the words that are written are what are going to judge a man. So this is the book that judges people, and we're just the mailman delivering the letters. Here, the inspired writer places judging within the framework of harsh, wounding language. The expression, quote, speak against, renders the Greek katalaleo, which means to slander, degrade, or insult. Now, that's wrong, that's sinful, and that will have eternal consequences to the Christian who practices that. And sadly, some of us have been the recipients as victims to these kind of individuals in the church. I know I have a slander campaign against me as we speak from individuals who are very evil and cunning. Some scholars suggest that it hints of being critical of the person in his absence. Certainly, there are backstabbers who don't have the courage to confront an adversary face-to-face, unlike Paul, Galatians 2.11. The malady rebuked in this context reflects an attempt to tear down rather than to help. Let it be made clear. The type of judging that is condemned in the New Testament is not the righteous exposure of error or wickedness or even the rebuke of a particular false teacher. See 1 Timothy 1.20, 2 Timothy 2.17 and 18. Rather, it consists of that which is done hypocritically, superficially, and hostility. In hostility. 
See, once we understand the descriptive nature of judging, the do's and don'ts, and what we are to practice and what we are not to practice, then life becomes more bearable, more guided to live faithfully, even when judging. When is judging commanded? The article continues over at ChristianCourier.com. Earlier, we cited John 7, 24, where Christ cautioned, quote, judge not according to appearance. Now, the balance of the verse, parentheses on the opposite side of an adver adversative particle, uh, is seen in this command, quote, but judge righteous judgment. Don't do it this way, but in other words, do it this way. Don't do it this way. This way is wrong and sinful. But do it this way, because this way is God's way. It's the way he commanded us to do it. Now, the context has to do with an earlier uh, miracle wherein Jesus had healed a lame man on the Sabbath day and subsequently commissioned him to take up his bed and walk, John 5, 8. Because of this alleged violation of the Sabbath, and because the Lord claimed divine authority in the miraculous healing, the Jews sought to kill him, in verse 18. Now, while it might have appeared to uh, that Christ uh, initiated a violation of the Sabbath on that occasion, actually, he didn't. He didn't. Every time the Pharisees and them said, oh, he broke the Sabbath, he's a blasphemer, they were wrong. Oh, he's a wine-bibber. No, he wasn't. And a higher goal was to be achieved by his command to the healed man. The Jews, however, saw only the superficial, the man carrying his pallet. They didn't look at the spiritual aspect of it, of course. They were seeking for a reason to offense. They did not make a correct judgment regarding the significance of the event. And so Christ admonished, he says, but judge the righteous judgment. The verb K-R-I-N-E-T-E is present tense, subs uh, sustained activity, right? Imperative mood, command. Thus, the sense is this, practicing judging of the righteous sort. You need to do it the right way. You need to judge the right way, not the wrong way. There is a principle here set forth. Judging, drawing correct conclusions, is not merely an option. It is an obligation. Righteous depicts both the character and the manner of the one who does the judging. All of us make judgments regarding others. We just do. Deal with it. We are forced to every day. It's a part of life. But those judgments should be rendered compassionately, in conformity with facts, and according to biblical truth. Here is another example. With reference to church disciplinary matters, Christians are to judge erring members. In a case relating to a brother who needed to be disfellowshipped, or I, I don't really like that word at all, I, like, I prefer withdrawal of fellowship, Paul asked, quote, don't you practice judging those who are within the church? 1 Corinthians 5.12. The question is rhetorical, of course, demanding a positive answer. The church is under obligation to judge its wayward members. 1 Corinthians 5.13b, Romans 16.17, and 2 Thessalonians 3.6 and following. Elsewhere, see, of course, the article our brother Wayne wrote called Church Discipline, a Tragic Neglect. And it certainly is. And interestingly enough, um, ourselves and some uh, friends from, from uh, church, uh, we gathered uh, together last night and we, we studied that very uh, important topic of church discipline. Uh, every, uh, everyone judges, the article says. If he lives noble standards, regardless of how uh, conscientiously he may claim otherwise, everyone judges. For example, when we hold our conduct to a certain divinely prescribed standard, by the contrast of our example, we judge those who refuse to yield to that standard. Note these points. A strengthened form of the verb K-R-I-N-O is K-A-T-A-K-R-I-N-O, kata Crino, katakrino, katakrino, which signifies, quote, to pronounce a sentence after a determination of guilt. Isn't that interesting? Matthew chapter 12, verse 41 and 42, the term is used twice. First, it is applied to the people of Nineveh. Then it is used regarding the queen of the south. In both instances, the example of these people condemned the Jews of Jesus' day. Because in contrast, it casts them in an unfavorable light. In a sense, these ancient citizens stood as judges of the rebellious Hebrews who crucified their own Messiah. And that's something.
When Noah obeyed God by preparing the ark as he was commanded, Genesis chapter 6, verse 22, he, com he, co he condemned Catacrino, 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 whatever, the generation with whom he was contemporary, Hebrews 11, 7. He judged them by obeying God, in vivid contrast to their disobedience. The next section of this article from our friends over at ChristianCourier.com is Judging Self. Friends, please consider subscribing, giving us a thumbs up, leave a comment, share the link on your social media platforms. If you find substance, if you find value in this content, this material, please consider signing up to addedsouls.locals.com and support. There is also the PayPal option, addedsouls at gmail.com. If you seek a physical address, reach out to me. We can have a video chat, a phone call, email exchange, whatever is necessary. This is how we operate. This is how we move forward with the Added Souls ministry and studio. We move now back to the article. It says, there is a sense in which we should even judge ourselves. Judge yourself. Judge self. Absolutely. I was taught at a very young age from my father. Son, if a charge is again is put on you, or an accusation, or a, a judgment, have a moment of self-reflection. Look in the mirror and say, okay, am I guilty of this? I have to practice that. We all have to practice that to make sure we walk in the faith. Now, if the evidence in the, uh, that concludes that, no, you are not guilty of those accusations, that they are actually slanderous, then you don't bow down and submit to that. You'd be lying to God, you'd be lying to yourself and everyone around you to admit to something that you're not guilty of. But maybe you are guilty of it. I am well aware that my behavior, my character, uh, it had, it, it's had its flaws and there are still, uh, 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 there's still room to, to uh, grow better. So when someone said, hey, Stefan, you're a bit too aggressive, you're probably right. Maybe I need to change that a bit so that I can be more approachable. You see, we have to look at those things. But if you call me a thief, I'm not. If you call me a liar, I am not. And I've learned that those who typically have those high-handed slanderous accusations are the ones who are the thieves and the liars, the deceivers. We need to look at self. It's important. I pray that Diotrephes looks at himself and says, you know what, maybe I'm a destructive person, a chaos, a chaos, a disorderly individual, a divisive individual, who is calling all the destruction that I leave behind in my resume is righteousness. Like, maybe you need to look at yourself. Maybe the Pharisees should have looked at themselves. And like, hey man, maybe Jesus is right about us in Matthew chapter 23. Pride. Pride. Self-seared in their own conscience, thinking themselves right all the way till they find out they were wrong. And then they gnash their teeth at God because how dare he? Pride gets in the way. How dare you judge me? I was a religious leader we got to look at ourselves. In a letter to the Corinthian saints, Paul addressed some of the disorders associated with their observance of the Lord's Supper. For one thing, some were not focusing upon the meaning of this sacred event. They were not discerning. Dia crino. In other words, making proper judgments about the significance of the elements of bread and fruit of the vine. Thus, they were partaking in an unworthy fashion. Those who acted in this irresponsible way brought divine judgment. K-R-I-M-A. Crima? 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 Upon themselves. And you can see 1 Corinthians 11, verses 27 through 29. It is out of this background that the apostle exhorts, quote, But if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Verse 31. The meaning is this. If the Christian would evaluate his own conduct in the light of Scripture, and there is the key that Brother Wayne Jackson over at ChristianCourier.com is revealing, and is so true, in light of the Scriptures, draw proper conclusions relative to any misdeeds and thus alter his behavior, he would not be subject to the disciplinary judgment that could issue from Christ. If the divisive individuals that Paul was speaking about in Romans chapter 16, verses 16, 17, 18, and 19, I believe, somewhere along those lines, would have let go their pride, 
there could have been a solution. Repentance, renewal. With these here, over in Corinth, the same. The same in Philippi or Ephesus, from the very beginning, if you want to go broad across the spectrum. So in conclusion, the article here says, an evaluation of the collected biblical evidence clearly demonstrates that the knowledgeable student of the scriptures will not make such foolish statements such as, it is wrong to judge. There is a wrong way to judge, and surely the best of people err in this manner on occasion. I've been guilty of misjudging, judging poorly, judging hypocritically. I've done that. I've known that. And it's good that you recognize that in yourself so that you can adjust, correct the path, correct the character, the behavior. Some are so puffed up in pride, they don't see their error. They don't see the damage they're doing. But there are also right ways to judge. And these must not be neglected due to a misconception of what judging actually is. And that brings to a conclusion uh, the article from our friends over at ChristianCourier.com. And we're winding out our podcast session over the hour. And most certainly, most oftentimes, again, as you see there on the image, the Don't Judge Me slogan comes from the homosexual movement. But it applies in principle to everything and anything, even us believers. What do you guys think? That makes sense? Leave your comments, questions, concerns, if you have any. And please, friends, sign up to addedsouls.locals.com. Reach out to me. Get involved with what we're doing and the mission and the wonderful work we are, we're part of here uh, with the East Coast Church of Christ over in New Brunswick, Canada. Stay focused. Stay positive. We shall certainly meet each other again next time. Lord willing, peace out.